Welcome to the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin, and we're back again for another episode. In today's episode, we have someone who comes from the world of pole vaulting. So I don't think I've had a pole vaulter on this on this pod, so it'll be very interesting to hear her story and everything about what she does. So today's guest is Kristen Brown. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Enjoying a couple of days of rest here, but doing really good. Good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on to this podcast. So I'll start off like I start off with every single guest that we have. Talk to us about your early experience with sport. Oh, man. I like to joke and say that I came out of the womb running track. Um, (laughs) My dad was a 400 meter runner. So me and my brother, we absolutely did not have a choice. If we were going to run track, we were definitely running track. Mm. Um, But I played a ton of sports. Uh, my first real passion, though, was gymnastics, okay. and that comes into play later with pole vault. Okay. Um, but I was a gymnast for a really long time, had a bunch of injuries, and so that was the end of that career. Okay. Um, I played basketball, soccer, but I've always been an athlete and just loved being athletic and just being competitive. Okay. And was athletics the one that you loved the most, or did you love any other of the sports more than you did? Oh, it took me a while to fall in love with athletics. Okay. Gymnastics was was definitely my first love for sure okay so when you were younger you were doing gymnastics um were you doing all the different like floor events and the the beams what 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 type of events were you doing yeah so I was I did everything floor vault beam bars um it was based off scores and so you compete against everybody and each apparatus um and I was a level nine gymnast so I was getting ready to get into that like upper elite status um and it just was too much and too much on my body. I was I stopped when I was 13. And I remember just from uh, age six to 12, just always being in pain. Yeah. My body was just always sore. Yeah. And I was always tired. But like, I loved competing. And I loved trying new skills. Yeah. Um, and it was so challenging. And mentally, it made me really, really tough. Okay. D- during that period when you, you came to the realization that you had to stop, was there anything that was making you think well there must be another way that I can get around this so I can still do this well I was still in sports so it wasn't like I was giving up that athletic and that competitive nature it was just like okay this this season of gymnastics is done okay. um and honestly I was ready for it to be done like I loved it but I was so tired of my body hurting okay. the way it was so I was definitely sad but I was also like okay I'm ready for the next thing to see what's out there yeah. Um, and try new things. Okay, fair enough. And how, when you were young, were you competitive or was it more about fun? Oh, competitive. <laughs> I have an older brother and anything he does, I want to be better than him at. I yeah. mean, obviously I couldn't because yeah. he's got four years on me, but yeah. super competitive in everything. So being competitive as a child, you know, there's some children that are competitive and they don't like losing and they don't handle it quite well. How how did you handle it as a child if there was ever times you lost? Oh, gosh. Um, I lost quite frequently. But again, like growing up, I, I we had this mantra in the, the household. It was just like, Browns don't give up. And no matter what, if I lost whatever, we're going to figure out how to come back the next time. Yeah. And we're going to give it a, a good go. Um, but quitting was never an option. And figuring out how to be better than I was the last time was always, even from a young age, always my mindset. Okay. So you, you kind of you kind of briefly mentioned it. So you, you gave up gymnastics because of injury. So talk to us about how the transition from gymnastics to, to 
I don't know if it was pole vault first or whether it was other track and field events first. Talk to us about how the journey mm-hmm. began. Yeah, so track got serious for me when I got to high school. Okay. I had a phenomenal coach there, Albert Monroe, and he taught me how to hurdle. Okay. Um, he taught me how to really hurdle. And I was a long jumper. And so that was really what my passion became was running relays with my friends um, and then hurdling, long jumping, and then doing sprints and things like that. I didn't start pole vault until I was in college. Wow. So I was a little later than most people, but um, hurdles was, oh my gosh, so much yeah. fun. Again, that same competitive, like you've got to have a certain mentality. Um, but yeah, hurdles hurdles was definitely how I transitioned from gymnastics into something really fun. Okay. And when you were training, were you, were you training more for hurdles or was it just you trained and hurdles is something that you did at the time? No, I would say that I was a hurdler. Okay. So that was what I definitely focused on and then all the other things kind of like played into me being a better hurdler okay so so being a hurdler how did that journey from becoming a hurt being a hurdler and moving to pole vault I know you said you started it at college so what 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 sparked your interest in pole vault so it wasn't necessarily me Mm. um I had a coach Bob Phillips at Virginia Tech he came to my house and I had already said that I was going to go to Virginia Tech to run hurdles and sprints and He came to my house and was like, um, so I looked over, like you send out just like basically like a application of stuff of things that you've done in your past. And he's like, I see you're a gymnast and I would love for you to try pole vault. I think your speed and your fearlessness is going to make you a really good pole vaulter. And I was like, I mean, sure. Like, yeah, I'll try it, but it's definitely not something that I'm comfortable with, but I'll give it my best shot. Um, and I think my first year in college, I'm, I'm, I jumped like, 11 feet and then my second year was 13 feet and then um i transferred schools and ended up at san diego state um and then when i graduated my pr was i think like 428 so not as high as the girls are jumping right now in college for sure but um within a short amount of time i felt like it was it was really good for me okay and how how supportive were your friends family when you decided to go down the route of doing pole vault my family knows that I'm I'm like a rebel. I'm the wild child. Mm. And so it wasn't a shock to anyone that like, okay, Kristen's going to go and pole vault. Like, she's obviously going to do the hardest thing that's out there. Um, and I, I would like to say that I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. So it kind of like fits into my personality. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is people are always, my family is always like, oh, I can't wait till you like teach me and I want to try it. And I'm like super pumped to like show people how to do yeah. it. But they definitely support me. Um, but it wasn't a shock. It wasn't a shock at all. So, so you're doing pole vault now. You start to compete. Was there any, when you start to compete, was there like a, a different type of nerves that you got to when you were doing hurdling? Oh, yeah. I, so once I became a professional pole vaulter, I only focused on the pole vault. So there was no hurdles to kind of mask the pole vault yeah. or take time away from the pole vault. So it became just pole vault and I realized, oh my gosh, this is such a mental event yeah. and I couldn't like escape and go do something else to take my mind off of it. So my first year in the pros was was really challenging, figuring out everything mentally that went into the pole vault. I had no idea how mental it was yeah. until I like spent all my time with it. Okay. What were some of the things that you did to help your mindset and your mentality during that period? Well, I'd say that for me, again, that fearlessness comes into play with pole vault. 
that's the biggest thing is if you can run down there, I mean, you've got this pole in your hand and you're trying to fling yourself over another pole. Like you can't be afraid and you have to trust in the training that you've done. And so if you trust in the training and you trust in who you are and, and don't go have any fear, I think that's a recipe for success in the pole vault. So for me, I was young and fearless and nothing bad had happened to me yet. And so I just went down there and just let myself be a natural athlete. And that, um, I think for the first year that worked and then I had to figure some things out. So, so what, what changed from the first year to the, to, let's say the second year? Injuries. Mm. Injuries happened and that takes away your confidence. And so my first year I had started the year, my PR was 428, which was like around 14 feet. And then I ended the year on a really high note. Um, and I had jumped 15 feet, five inches, which is 470. So it was a huge jump. So my confidence was there and I was like, oh my gosh, like I picked the right event. Like I'm feeling confident in what I'm doing and then landed wrong on a pole vault mat, which is rule number one, you don't land on your feet. Mm -hmm. And I tore a bunch of ligaments mm -hmm. in my ankle and um, coming back from that was just really tough. So I couldn't rely on my natural athleticism because I had to figure out how to get back in shape and back into that healthy uh, framework. Um, so I struggled, I struggled, I definitely struggled for a couple years and um, I lost like my passion for it and I lost like the drive just because it, it became so hard. Yeah. Like my first year, it was so easy and everything just was clicking and then things happened, life happened, injuries happened mm. and it was just kind of like injury after injury and it was really tough. What were some of the things that, well, so obviously you lost your passion. So what were some of the things that, gave you your passion back to to be able to push through and get to to high level again honestly i started coaching okay and so i started helping other people with like their fitness journeys and with their track journeys and i got to see like how young and passionate people are with things and how dedicated they are with what they're doing and it reminded me like i do have a true love for this this is just i'm just going through a rough time and just because I'm going through a rough period doesn't mean that it's something I need to like quit on or that I'm not as talented as I think I am. It's just like one of those slumps and it'll pass. So during that period, was was these, when you were not feeling, the passion went, did you talk to anyone about it or was this stuff that you kept to yourself? Uh, it was a little bit of chatting with people, but I, I didn't like have like a sports psych or anything like that. Um, I would talk with my family a little bit. Uh, but I was I, I wasn't into the sports psych realm yet. I think that took that took a little while for me to realize how beneficial something like that could be. Um, so it was mostly just me and talking with my coach and just talking with my family. So let's fast forward. So you said you realized the benefits of a sports psych. So what type of things do you feel help or a sports psych was able to help with? Oh man! Again, pole vault is ninety percent mental. Oh. Um, so if, if your mind's not in the right space, it's going to be really hard to go down there and do the same thing every single time for a pole vault attempt. So our event's so much different than everybody. Everybody gets usually, I mean, long jumpers will get six attempts. Sprinters, they have one race, but pole vault, you could be out there for who knows how long, and you've got to do the same approach, the same jump on different size poles at different heights. And it's, there's so many different things that go into it. And so for me, mentally, I had to figure out how to be more consistent with what I was doing. 
how to be kinder to myself when things didn't go the way that I wanted them to go. Cause I can be really tough on myself and honestly to just have a little bit more fun. Okay. So you, you kind of mentioned it briefly, uh, like in terms of coaching, you did a little bit of coaching when you were injured. So let's look at it in two ways. You as a coach and you as a athlete, is there anything that let's say you learned from your coaches that you were able to implement on you coaching other people? Or was this also, was there stuff that maybe your coaches taught you that you felt like this is not why I want to teach other people? Yeah, there's definitely a little, a little bit of both mm. in there. Um, I've had a lot of coaches pour into me and I think that's one of the reasons why I am where I am today is because I've had great coaching and I definitely use the things that they've taught me and I figure out how to apply that to other people. Cause I think that's a big, a big thing that people miss with coaching is just figuring out how to relate it to specific athletes yeah. and specific things that they're doing. It can't just be like a broad way of coaching. So there's a lot of things that people have given me. And then I just try and figure out how to tailor it to whoever I'm working with and figure out how to reach them in a way. And there's definitely things that I've gotten back from coaches. I'm like, I'm never doing that like that that didn't help me at all. And I don't think that's something I need to pass along. You know, one thing I've noticed when I speak to, to elite athletes, a lot of them say the same thing. And it's, it's something that you have to learn over time, I guess, because it's not every size fits all um, approach. Everyone is different. Everyone has different bodies. Everyone reacts differently. And it's, it takes a lot from a person to be confident as well to say, no, this is not working for me. Let me try um, something else um, but then you've only got one career exactly but it it's really tough when you're young mm. like really tough you don't know any better yeah. and you and you usually go into a program or you go into a training group and you're bought in and you're like okay like I'm I'm here I want you to help me mold me change me do what you need to do yeah. and then it gets to a point where you're just like this doesn't like this doesn't like to me this doesn't make sense and when you start to ask questions and they can't give you like an answer, yeah. that's when it's something where it's like, okay, I need to start to make some changes or I need to just sit down and have a different type of conversation with this yeah. coach. But yeah, that's a, that's a big thing is that coaches should be able to train athletes in different ways. Cause everyone is so different. hundred percent. I, I remember I had a guest on, I won't say who he is, but, um, he once upon a time was with one coach when he was younger and this coach was like well known in the United Kingdom as the, one of the best coaches but everyone in that training group was always getting injured mm. always getting injured and it made you think was was he like thinking about everyone as an individual or was he just treating everyone the same because why is everyone getting injured that shouldn't be happening that everyone's so it's injuries are injuries are tough um, there's a lot of things that go into injuries. It could be something outside of training, outside of practice. But I think when you do see a large group of people injured all at one time, it's just kind of like, okay, there definitely needs to be something that we're looking at here because obviously the athlete's bodies aren't handling whatever it is that they're doing yeah. the right way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I've seen that happen a bunch in training groups and I'm just like, oh, uh oh things aren't going so well over there. And I hope, hopefully like they can take a step back to be like, okay, I need to make some changes. Yeah. And that's really tough for a coach to be like, hold on. I may be doing something wrong. Yeah. 
And so I might need to do some changes, especially if these athletes are bought into what I'm doing. Let me take control of the situation and figure out how we can not let this happen again. 100%. What would you say to someone who's, let's say, I don't know, 15 and is in that situation where they're, they're, find, they're seeing this and they're struggling to, to find the nerve to, to move to a different setup? Mm. On the other side of that uncomfortable feeling might be the best thing that could ever happen to you. So being uncomfortable and thinking, oh, I don't know if I should talk to this coach or if I should move to a different situation. I'd say, honestly, if you have, you don't want to have any regrets. And if you're sitting in a situation, you're like, oh, I'm going to stay, but I don't feel like I should. I don't, I don't think you should do that. Life is short and you need to do things that A, make you happy and B, that just allow you to be the best athlete that you can be. And if you're not in a system where you're the best athlete you can be, try something else. It's nothing wrong with trying other things. 100%. So I'm going to move it on a little bit. So I want to talk about competition day. So competition day, is there, is there anything that you would say you've like in, like changed in, in terms of the journey, in terms of what you do now? Is it the same thing you were doing, let's say, five, six years ago? No. No, definitely. Again, that maturity, you learn so mm. much along the way. And a lot of times when you're just young, you're just going out there, it's just energy and you're just excited and you're just going to compete. Yeah. And then again, things happen along the way that kind of like take away that that fearlessness nature that most young people have. Yeah. And it just makes you more reserved and that confidence goes away a little bit. So you have to do other things to help you get that confidence back. So yeah, my my approach to things is a lot different now than when I first started. Well, what, would, what would you say has changed in terms of what you did then and what you do now? Um, well, now, for example, like I do, there's like a lot of mental work that I do before I even compete. There's a lot of breath work, a lot of breathing and things like that to kind of like center myself and calm myself down. Because if I get too amped up, that's when different things start to happen with my pole vaulting. And I think when I was younger, like I just didn't care. And so I would just run down there and be like, where was I? What did I do? I don't even know how to do this event that well. So it's whatever. I'm going to go do it again. And now it's like, okay, if I don't do this correctly, I know that there's injuries that could happen. I know that there's setbacks that could happen. And so it's not necessarily like fear, but it's definitely, I want to put myself in the best position. And I know there's certain things that'll put me in that position. Every elite athlete has to make sacrifices. Was there any time when the sacrifices that you were making were having an impact on your life outside of track? Oh, yeah. I mean, I trained, I graduated from San Diego State. All my family's from the East Coast. Yeah. And then I also lived um, at the Olympic Training Center, which is in Chula Vista for a couple of years. So I was on the West Coast for maybe like seven years. And so for me, like family is like super important to me. And so to not be able to be home with family and like to be around when my niece and my nephew were born, like that stuff really definitely, definitely hurt. Everyone was super supportive of like what I was doing and my dreams and my passions. But for me, it was just like, I'm missing so much because I want to be great at this. And I know that it's worth it. But yeah, that, that kind of stuff definitely was a sacrifice. Okay, so setbacks um, happen when we are competing. So talk to us about the biggest setback you've had when 
you're having competition and how did you overcome that oh wow uh pole breaks mm. you break a pole in the competition it is the hardest thing to break a pole run back down there with a different pole mm. and go try the yeah. same thing that is very challenging because sometimes it's not even your fault yeah. but now that fear is like what if i break it again because breaking a pole is not fun you land funny awkward things happen you might hurt your hands it's it's pretty challenging so i think that that is definitely something that for most pole vaulters i'd say is really really tough and then conditions so say you you're warming up and you've got a a lovely like calm tailwind and then all of a sudden the winds change and it's a headwind now for a lot of people that's going to really mess up your approach and your entire mindset going down there with the pole yeah. so i think those are two things that could definitely definitely impact pole vaulters i'm going to ask you a little bit about the dynamics of training and when you're training with other people so are you someone mm -hmm. that um let's say does better with elite athletes around you or are you someone that prefers to be in a smaller group where it's more focused on you oh i've had some really amazing training partners mm. so that's that's tough i'm definitely someone who likes to hone in and focus when i'm at training so i don't necessarily need people around when i'm training but i do love the aspect of having training partners and again i've had some amazing training partners who've become my best friends yeah. So I, I, w I would go with saying that I would, I love having people around and I really love training with guys. Yeah. Like guys are so intense. They're so much stronger than me. And so it gives me something to be like, dang, like if he can do that, like I'm sure I can do my event just a little bit better. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, a, that's an interesting point you've raised there is when you just train with women, is there stuff that you wouldn't do that you, that you do when you training with guys? Well, I think, for example, just like in the weight room, okay. there's different numbers that they're going to be able to hit. Yeah. They're obviously just stronger than a lot of women are. Um, and so for us, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like he is so strong. Yeah. Like I've got to be able to push myself to a point where I'm matching like his effort. Okay. It may not be as hard, but I think men bring a certain intensity, okay. um, especially like with running and things like that. Obviously, they're faster than us. So it it does give you something to be like okay, this is his time. Yeah. Like, how close can I get to that? Because if I'm pushing myself past these these thresholds, I'm going to be that much of a better athlete. So just a couple of questions left. So the next question is around your goals for this year. What What would you say is the biggest thing you're looking to achieve this year? Oh, wow. Um, I just moved into a different training group. So I'm still getting to know like my coaching and my system here. Okay. So for me, Outdoors is just going to be about consistency. I want my average height to be a lot higher than what it has been. So not necessarily the highest that I jump, but my average across the board. I want that to be a lot higher. Um, I just transitioned to a longer pole. So that's something that I'm working on the timing and things like that. Um, so for me, it's going to be about comfort yeah. and consistency. And obviously, we all want to PR. Like, that's yeah. never not on the menu. Yeah. Um, so PRing and, and definitely making the world team. Is is timing the biggest issue that pole vaulters have when it comes to changing to longer poles? Yeah, it, it changes the entire rhythm of your jump and the feel of your yeah. jump. And again, it's just the feeling of being a little uncomfortable because you get used to how certain things move and how certain things flow. And you could add in an extra, I mean, an inch of grip moving your hand yeah. up and the entire jump feels different. Mm -hmm. And so it just takes time to get used to like, okay, this is how the new jump feels versus what 
I've been doing for two years. So that's something that I'm working on right now is like, okay, here's a completely different jump, different cues, different way of looking at the pull vault um, versus my five years prior to this. It must have a massive impact in terms of um, confidence as well, because you know, with this poll, you can go a lot higher. It, it must be daunting for some people when they're in that situation. Oh, 100%. But again, one of the things with pole vaulters is pole vaulters will pick up a pole that they've never jumped on and go clear a height that they've never done. Mm. That's very challenging to just pick up something that is a large pole that has the capacity to throw you as high in the air as you want, yeah. or it could throw you back the other yeah. way. So it could go either way. So it is, it's definitely, again, that mindset yeah. and that mentality is really, really important. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot of us, we just get used to just trusting our coach, picking up a pole that they say is the correct pole and going down there and doing the same thing we did on the past jump. Okay. You actually just touched on something there that I've, it didn't, it's never crossed my mind until you just mentioned it. So pole, pole vaulters will pick up a, a pole and try uh, a height that they've never, they've never tried before. How does that work in competition? So would you take like a pole that you've like never <laughs> used to like? Yeah. Really? Wow. So you, in a pole bag, you'll have you'll have so many different poles. Yeah. You'll have like maybe 10, 11 poles in there. You'll have poles from your shorter approach runs, which are going to be a lot shorter, okay. a lot lighter. And then you'll have poles for your full approach. Okay. Poles that you know, okay, I can jump on this pole no matter what. Poles that are like, if I get to this pole, things are, are going really well. Yeah. And then there's definitely always got to be a pole in your bag that's like, this is this is like the end range of my series i'm bringing this just in case i'm like feeling it because you don't want that's another thing yeah. as tough as you're out of me and you're you're doing everything that you need to be doing and you get to your biggest pull in your bag and then you're like well yeah. now what do i do but, there's yeah so many variables in but what, what goes through your mind when you get to that point when you've got the biggest one you're thinking, oh well i've never done this before can't think about it like that mm-hmm. You just have to think this is the right pole for this jump right now. Yeah. And some days it's a smaller pole and it's, you can't let that mess with you and be like, Oh, well, I'm only on this pole. It's gotta be, this is what I'm doing today. This is how I feel. This is the correct pole for this situation. Let's go. And again, that trust with your coach does, does play a huge role in, in the polls. So for me, I, I try to take myself out of it. Yeah. And I'm like, if he says that this is what I need to do now, this is what we're doing now. Last question. Describe yourself in three words. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Okay. Uh, the first word would be intense. Yeah. Definitely an intense person. Um, the second word would be loving because I do have a lot of love for yeah. my friends and my family and, and people that I come across. Um, gosh, Three words, that's hard. Uh, third word would be passionate. passionate. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it my best yeah. and I'm going to enjoy it. And so that's why, you know, when I lost my passion, it was so hard for me because I'm such a passionate person yeah. and it means a lot to me. Those, those three words are key words that probably apply to athlete, hence why you're an athlete. So <laughs> I think so, yeah. Great, great three <laughs> words. Kristen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. It's... thank you so much for having me you're welcome you're welcome for those who are listening for the first time welcome aboard for those who are listening 
again welcome back until next time 